put that on your schedule, and uh, they're going to sing for us every week. We're glad you came. I know you didn't come for church. You came from the kids, right? <clears throat> well, we uh, glad you did come. Glad you did. Glad we snickered the kids into getting you here, right? <laughs> well, we've been preaching through the book of 1 Peter for uh, quite some time now, and uh, lo and behold, this is the Christmas season, and you're like, what in the world? Peter didn't talk about Christmas, right? Oh, yeah, he did. <clears throat> Let's open up to 1 Peter chapter number 5, and that's we've just been working verse by verse uh, through the book of 1 Peter, and I've said this about uh, 150 times, and, and regular people are tired of hearing about it, but uh, the Apostle Peter is one of my favorites. He's just a rough old fisherman, and uh, he, he'll... You know he'll lose his temper, and I've, I've I think I did that once, and uh, he, he'll uh, he'll he'll cuss, and I, I might have done that twice, and uh, uh, he'll uh, he'll turn his back on Jesus, and I've probably done that more than I'll admit, more than more than I'd like to admit, and uh, but that's kind of why I, I enjoy the book of First Peter, and uh, we have gleaned so much wisdom out of it, I think. Uh, over the past several months, and uh, we're we're coming to the end of it, end of his first letter here. When we get to verse number five or chapter number five, and uh, I think we're just going to do this like we've been doing it. Let's pray, and then we'll begin at verse number seven. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time that you've given us here this morning. We thank you for these uh, young ones, uh, Lord, that have uh, sang to your praise and Lord your glory. And uh, Lord, I thank you for the visitors that we have this morning, and uh, for the regular folks. And Lord, I just pray that you would be with us in this service this morning. Uh, Lord, that you would touch each and every heart in here. Lord, that you would uh, illuminate your word to our hearts and that uh, you would change lives and change souls forever uh, because of it, Lord. And we give you all the honor and the glory, and uh, we thank you and we love you. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Verse number 10 of chapter number 5, I gave Cody, I had two slips. I give him verses every week, and I had two slips. I didn't know how much time I was going to have, so I had a a briefed list, and then you get the regular list today. So, But we're going to make it quick. We're going to try to make it quick. We've got some visitors here, and I, and I want to fool them into thinking we have fun here every week, and it's short and quick and sweet and to the point. So uh, if that's you, we do this every week, just real quick and, and so forth. Uh, but uh, verse number 10 begins this, But the God of all grace, boy, isn't that the God you want to serve? That, that's the God I want to serve. That, that's my God. That's, that's who God is to me, the God of all grace. You know, it seems like we live in a day and age where we hear a lot of, of other gods. And, and a lot of, we, we listened to uh, last Sunday night, the kids ran us out of here. They've run us out of here several times over the past month, haven't they? <clears throat> so last Sunday night, we had church down in the lobby. But I think we had cookies, didn't we? We had cookies and coffee and... And we didn't have the computer like we normally have, but we, we listened to a, a skit from Paul Harvey, and I thought Paul Harvey, uh, he was before my day, I guess. I, I vaguely remember him on 700 uh, when I was a kid, uh, but, you know, I, I didn't know much about Paul Harvey. We've played some of his things in here before. I mentioned him last Sunday morning about uh, what he said he would do if he were the devil, and, and uh, uh, anyway, last Sunday afternoon, I was kind of looking at, you know, YouTubing it up and ran across one of his videos about an open letter to God. And I thought, well, this ought to be good. Paul Harvey, open letter to God. So we played that last Sunday night, and that was about the biggest bunch of five minutes of heresy that I've ever seen in my life. It, it was amazing. And, and one of the, the points behind it, Paul Harvey, was that letter that he wrote, an open letter from God to us is what it was. Uh, 
that one of the blasphemous things in there was he said, you can call me by any name. You can call me God. You can call me Creator. You can call me Allah. You can call me Jehovah. And I thought, boy, Mr. Paul Harvey, you just went down like all the notches in my book. <clears throat> because the God, little g, Allah, is not the God of grace. The God, the Creator God, our God, the God, the author of this book, is the God of grace. And what is grace? I always put Cody on the spot. I won't today. His mom and dad's here. I don't want to embarrass him. <laughs> but what is grace? Grace is getting what you don't deserve. That's grace. That's grace. How are we saved? How do we get to heaven? The only way we, you and I will ever get to heaven is by God's grace, <clears throat> by getting what we don't deserve. That's grace. We serve, we worship, we are here to praise the God of all grace, just like Peter wrote about. The God of grace who hath called us into, oh, I love this, I've got this, uh, this part underlined, eternal, it, eternal. You, you know, we, as much as we kind of like to think and fool ourselves about what eternity is, we have no concept of what eternity is. We, we don't. We our concept of time is skewed. It is December, what is it, 17th? Is that right? 2017, right? It's December 17th, 2017. When was July? It was like a couple weeks ago, right? Wasn't that just a couple weeks ago? Uh, do you, uh, we, we went by a sign, a digital sign in, in Warren County this morning, uh, a digital sign that said eight days till Christmas. And I thought, no way. Christy said, yes, yes way. And I said, that means it's like 16 days till 2018, right? She's like, something like that. My math's not very good. <laughs> that's, that's coming up. It was just hot, sweaty weather like that. I got a friend of mine, I love this saying. <clears throat> he says, life's like a roll of toilet paper. It is. The faster it goes, the, faster it goes, the closer you get to the end. That's life. That, that's, that is our life. You know, it seems like when you were a kid, you couldn't wait for Christmas to get here. You get to, I don't know, old like me, I guess, and you think, How, how's Christmas here already? What, what is happening? We, we have no concept of eternity. What is eternity? No time. Zero time. It's, it is outside the realm of time. We, we, don't, we, don't, we don't understand that. Everything we do revolves around time. We eat, we sleep, we go to work, we get off work, we go to lunch. Uh, we, we plan, and if that's just our day time. And then we have Christmas and birthdays and anniversaries. That's our calendar time. And then we have uh, 18 and, and what comes, 18 and then 21 is a big thing. And then when do you get your AARP card? That's, that's like the next, that's the next big event in life. And, and, and then, then death, I guess. That's, that's, that's our concept and our realm of time. Everything we do revolves around time except for God. He, he doesn't depend on time. He's in control of time. And, and because of he, he's in control of time and he's outside the constricts of time, he has eternity in his hands. He's everlasting. There, he is the beginning and the end. He has no time. He doesn't have a watch. God doesn't have a watch. God doesn't have a calendar. I don't know how he keeps my birthday straight. <clears throat> but God is the God of all grace and hath called us into his eternal, here it is, glory. Glory. I don't know how many of those kid songs I was trying to, I was thinking of how cute they all were. And I was just sitting there thinking, I'm like, well, this is kind of disappointing. You're like, disappointing? The kids are singing. Disappointing because one of them always something. They're running around or something. 
I noticed they've got tape up here, and I think it's two-faced tape because they all did a great job at staying in their spots. Did you see that? Like they, they were squirming all over up here, but their feet were... I thought, this is disappointing. Nobody's done anything. And then Lane, <laughs> I don't know it without the words. <laughs> the Lord, that that's gives us something to talk about for a couple months. <laughs> but we... we uh, Glory. They, they sang about glory in several of those songs. Now, here's what I got to thinking this week. I'm coming across this, and we're studying the book of 1 Peter, and I thought, man, you are a horrible preacher. Do you know that? I'm talking to myself. We've covered this whole book, five chapters, and I've not once stopped, paused, thought about glory. And then I thought, you know what, how, how many, how many, and maybe it's not just me, how many sermons have I ever heard or set through or whatever about glory? We know, we know God, God has glory, right? We, we sing to His praise and His glory. We, we understand His glory, but I, I thought, I don't know if people, we're people, right? I don't know if people, including myself, really understands God's glory. Have you ever asked yourself that? What, what is glory? What, what, what's the big deal about glory? What, what is so marvelous about glory? What, what's the big deal about glory? So I Googled glory. <laughs> Sometimes that helps, right? And, and glory is this. It's bright, shining, splendor, magnificence, wisdom, control. Those are some synonyms for glory. And I thought, maybe that's why I don't understand glory, because bright and shining, unless you're sitting behind me, Somebody, you were laughing before I even got that out, Paula. <clears throat> Magnificence, not so much me. Wisdom, yeah, right. Splendor, my splendor. I might be majestic. <laughs> but but I, I think probably most of us would fall into that category. No offense, but I don't know if we totally have a, a, a good comprehensive grip on glory. Do we? You know, I think my fleshly side thinks glory. You know, I, uh, I had a, a, a middle school. I've got a high school teacher here, and I'm going to pick on her a little bit. I, middle school teacher, and I, got an element, I didn't have you in elementary, though, did I? I got this church teacher crowd here today. <laughs> but, uh, uh, and he was in the movie, if I remember right, he was uh, uh, in the movie Glory. Is that right? Have I got that right? Yes, he was in the movie Glory. So sometimes we think of glory and we think of victory in the battle, don't we? And that's true. That, that is glory. And that's what that movie was about, was about the glory of the battlefield and righteousness and, and the, the right side. So we, we see that, uh, you know, we think of that as glory, but mm, that's not really splendor. That's not really magnificence, is it? So then while I was on that same page about what synonyms for glory was, I thought, what's antonyms, which I forgot even what that word was until just this week. And so that would be the opposite of glory would be this, shame. Yeah, I've got some of that. Uh, that would be guilt. Yeah, I got, I got some of that. Uh, yeah. That, that would be like a, uh, the opposite of glory. Where glory is magnificence, where the uh, opposite of that would be like shame, guilt, despair. We're all familiar with that, aren't we? Well, what, why do we compare ourselves among ourselves? Because we all are made out of the same dirt. Do you realize that? We're all in the same condition. We, we all have a sin-cursed heart that we talked about in Sunday school this morning. 
we're all in the same crowd. It, it doesn't matter if you're man, woman, black, white, Democrat, right. <laughs> we all, we're all in the same boat. We all have a sin-cursed heart. That's us. We are the opposite of glory. We're shameful. We're guilty. We're unforgiving. We're depressed. That's the human condition. I don't want that human condition. Is, is everybody satisfied with that human condition? That, that, that makes for, doesn't it? That, that makes for good drug sales is what that does. That, that, that condition, the opposite, the antonym of glory, that makes for good drug sales. So we see that our God, the God of all grace, has called us into His eternal glory. Well, I am really interested in that. Are you interested in that? Are you interested in living and being present in an internal glory? Or are you satisfied with the temporal shame and guilt and regret that we have here on earth? Well, I think that's kind of like, Bob, that's a dumb question. <laughs> I'll take the eternal glory for free. That, that's what we're talking about. I would rather have eternal glory for, well, forever, I guess, than this temporal, miserable condition that we live in that's called life for a measly maybe 90 years if you exercise and eat right and uh, I don't know what else you're supposed to do to live a long, miserable life, I, all that stuff. I, I, no, I'll take the eternal glory any day. Hey, Peter's saying the God of our grace is calling us into His eternal glory. I, I'm very interested in that. Look at this. By Christ Jesus. There you go. It's that simple. It is that simple. You guys came to hear these kids. Some of your regular people, you're like, if I don't show up, he's going to look, look for me. <laughs> but we came here this morning to listen to these kids to sing about the birth of Jesus Christ. That's what Christmas is all about. The birth of Jesus Christ. That's what the manger is all about. The birth of Jesus Christ. Does anybody remember Moses? He's the guy that dealt with the nation of Israel for probably a lot longer than I could have. The murmuring people. Pharaoh let my... Charlton Heston. That guy? That, Moses? Uh, let my people go. Let them across the Red Sea. But before that, all the miracles that were wrought in Egypt, all the plagues that happened in Egypt, like the crossing of the Red Sea, is that magnificent? Would, would you call that wonderful? Would you call that marvelous? What's our other synonyms? Would you call that splendor? Would you call that control? Control the water? He, he witnessed that. He saw that. I, we have no idea what that was like. To see the Red Sea part and then for that entire nation of two, three million people walk across on dry ground. And then to watch Pharaoh and his army try it <laughs> didn't end very well for them. Can you imagine seeing that and, and having that memory? Well, Moses was on the mountain with God. And guess what Moses asked God? Well, let's look at it. Exodus chapter number 33. This I forgot we're doing the long version here. <clears throat> Exodus chapter number 33, verse number 18. And he speaking of Moses, said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Are you serious, Moses? It kind of makes you wonder if God has that look on his face, like, 
serious? I just delivered an, an entire nation from the Egyptians, and they'd been there for 400 years. I just delivered you from them. I just brought you across the Red Sea, parted it, by the way. You walked across on dry ground, by the way. And oh, while doing that, I destroyed the entire army of your enemy, and you didn't even have to pull back a bow. And you want me to show you my glory? Are you serious? Remember? Glory is brightness, shining, splendor, magnificence, wisdom, and control. I don't know the greatest general mind in history that could even come up with that thought. Like, hey, we'll somehow get the waters to part and then we'll crush the army. No, man doesn't think like that. But God produces like that. Here's Moses up on the mountain having a conversation with God. And he's dumb enough like me to ask the question, Lord, would you just show me your glory? <laughs> have, have we prayed that probably here before? Lord, would you just show us your glory this morning? I, I feel, I don't know if I'll ever pray that again after thinking about how dumb a question that is. And Moses asked that question, Lord, show me your glory. Look what God tells him, verse number 19. And he said, God, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. What? So I don't care what Wikipedia says or what Webster 1828 says. When Moses asked to see God's glory, what did God first off say glory is? I'll let my goodness go before thee. The God of all grace is a good God. That's what God said. Okay, Moses, you want to see my glory? I'll let my goodness go before you. We have no concept of what goodness is. We don't. We have no concept of what goodness is. When Adam and Eve was placed in the garden, they only knew goodness. Satan comes on the scene and tempts them with that fruit that God told them not to partake in. With the promise of this, Satan said, you'll know the difference between good and evil. Do you know why we know goodness? Because we know way too much about evil. That's why we don't know what goodness is. We know way too much about evil. We see the news. We, we know people. We know ourselves. We talked in Sunday school this morning about how deceitful our own hearts are. You never want to follow your heart, by the way. Your, far, your, your heart will lead you astray. Your heart will deceive you, and you won't even know it. You are not in control of your own heart. So don't follow your heart. So all we know is evil and not good. And that was, that was part of the problem. So God said, I will make all, all. Wow. Can you imagine that? Can, can you imagine all God's goodness all at once? Now I'm going to skip fast forward a little bit. When, when Moses comes off the mountain and the people were down at the base of the mountain, they said, his, you've got to cover your face. It's so bright. Remember what glory was? Brightness, shining. Moses, well, he didn't even get to witness all of God's goodness. We'll, we'll get there in a second. I feel like one of them flashbacks, fast forward. So with Moses not even seeing all of God's goodness, the people at the base of the mountain couldn't even look on his face. That's what we're talking about. That's some goodness. 
He says, goodness passed before thee, and I will proclaim. Here it is. This is again, this is God's, from his mouth and from his book, the definition of goodness. I will proclaim the name of the Lord. You know who those kids were singing about this morning? Emmanuel. Jesus Christ. Emmanuel means God with us. The Word, that's who those kids were singing about. You want to know what glory is? That's it. Hey, glory comes in small packages. That's glory. Do you know we get a glimpse? I'm getting a glimpse of God's glory just in this room. When I look at all you people, do you know how complex the human body is? You know why they call it practicing medicine? Because they haven't figured out how to fix it yet. (laughs) They haven't figured out how to diagnose everything yet. They they don't even know how this thing ticks and how it works. Uh, That's, let's go back to our definition. That's, That's pretty splendid. That's pretty wisdom, pretty smart. That's pretty control, in control. When our finest minds, we can't always fix it. When our finest minds, really, we're not even sure how it works. When our finest minds can't even come up with one, you'd think by now, as smart as man is, we could make a person, right? I mean, how, how hard is it? You'd think we could come up and make a person. Do, do you know that each one of our, it, it, it is mind-blowing. We have studied, here's my middle school or my high school teacher we have studied dna in this church and it is amazing how magnificent and how complex and how intricate that our cells and our dna and our mitochondria and all of that stuff you didn't think i was paying attention did you (laughs) hey that is god's glory that's god's glory at work here in our bodies we can't make new we can't we we are just now as smart as we are with the help of computers able to read dna and predict things much less try to replicate it hey that's god's glory better better hurry up look what he says the name of the lord god before thee and will be there it is gracious that's glory that's god's glory he'll be gracious he will give us what we don't deserve that's grace. That's God's glory. To whom I will be gracious and will show, here it is, here's another definition of glory, mercy. To whom I will show mercy. What, what's mercy? We've, we've defined grace as not getting what you, do, what, you, what you deserve. Here's what mercy is. Not getting what you do deserve. Not getting what you do deserve. That's mercy. Hey, the God of all grace, this glorious God that Peter's writing about, this God of eternal, everlasting glory that Moses is talking to, is a merciful God. He doesn't give us what we deserve. Do you know what we deserve? Death and hell. That's, that's what we deserve in a nutshell. Because any infraction, let's, let's, let's simplify it. Any infraction, that sounds a lot less harsh than sin, doesn't it? Any mistake, any boo-boo, any infraction on God's holy righteous law should exact His punishment because God is holy. We covered that in Sunday school. It was 9 o'clock. Come next week. (laughs) And what is God's holiness? It's hard for us to fathom because God's holiness is perfection. And I've not met the perfect anything, anybody, anywhere. 
ever. <laughs> you might think you are. You're mistaken. There is no perfect person, but there's only one perfect God. And He is holy, and He is righteous, and He is merciful, and He is just. You know, if there was a judge up at Warren County at the, at the wherever that complex is, and he let people off, for, if, if they caught a burglar, brought him into the courtroom, and that burglar said, I won't do it this week, and that judge said, all right, get out of here. I'm done with you. Don't do it this week. You would say that judge is wicked, wouldn't you? That You would say that judge is unrighteous, that judge is unjust, and we would vote him out. Am I right? I want a judge that is just. I want a judge that is perfect. I want a judge that obeys the law. I don't want a judge that's a hypocrite. And with a holy, righteous, graceful, glorious God, he's not a hypocrite. He's perfect. He's just. He's righteous. I will show my mercy and whom I will show mercy. Look what he says in verse number 20. I didn't give you this one, Cody. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover thee with my hand while I pass. God is so glorious. Moses couldn't even witness, couldn't even see God's glory. He had to see the afterglory, after God passed. Tuck Moses away in the cleft of the rock. Remember that song? I will hide thee in the cleft of the rock. He covered Moses with his hand and walked past, removed his hand, and all Moses got to see was the hinder parts of God's glory. <laughs> Have we ever seen that? Have we ever seen God's glory? Have you ever experienced God's glory? I think that's what we're doing here this morning. I think probably last night on that cold, crisp, nasty December evening when there wasn't a cloud in the sky. Anybody notice the sky last night? No, because you were all going from the car like into the house. But if you just stopped and you just slowed down, you would have seen the stars in the sky. Look at Psalms one night. Yeah, 119, I think, somewhere around in there. Or 19.1. Psalms 19.1. Sorry, I'm dyslexic a little bit this morning. <clears throat> the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament His handiwork. We see the stars in the sky and we don't even think about it. We just think they're little dots. And lo and behold, one day they came up with the Hubble telescope. And all the conspiracy people said, well, if they're looking out there, they can turn that thing around and look down. Remember when they were saying that? <laughs> They've got satellites that are just purposely pointing down now. But when they, when they put that Hubble telescope into orbit and they gave it some corrective lenses because that was kind of messed up and they got some bolts tightened just right and finally started working, they said, oh, this thing's huge. What's the thing? The heavens, outer space, the stuff that's out there, the stars that are out there. The galaxies that are out there, they said, this is bigger than we thought. What is that? That's declaring God's glory. It's declaring his majesty. It's declaring his brightness. And everything spins just right. Everything is just far enough apart, but just close enough. Everything is just the right temperature, 
and we say, how does gravity work? Where's the end? How does all this work? We don't know how it works. What is time like? What is space temperance? What, what is dimensionality? What is, what is, how does all that work? Do you know that if you traveled in space, you age less than you do now? <laughs> do, you, do you know they have an atomic clock that is dependent, time depends on gravity? What? They have an atomic clock in Denver, and it reads different than one in Switzerland that's sea level. What? We didn't know that till recently. Hey, God is saying, I'm in control of all that. I'm outside of all that. That is in my, what is it, wisdom and control? That's glory. That's wisdom and control. Hmm. But I think we've probably seen God's glory somewhere else. Let's look at this. Hebrews chapter number 1. Verse number 1. No, I'm sorry. Verse 3. Chapter 3. Where am I at, Cody? 1. Hebrews chapter 1, verse number 1. God, same one we're talking about, the God of all grace, truth, and mercy, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake... In time past, unto the fathers by the prophets. Hey, uh, that was Moses that we were just talking about. The, 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 that God spoke in diverse manners to the fathers and the prophets. That, that's Moses. He spoke, he spoke to Moses, told him about this. Look at this, verse number 2. Hath in these last days. Ooh, we, we talked about that last Sunday night. So this book of Hebrews was written about 2,000 years ago. And they were the last days then. What do you think the days we live in now are? We're 2,000 years closer to the end. This thing's coming to a, a head. Spoken unto us by his Son, capital S, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Who being the brightness, oh, what's glory? Bright, shining, splendor. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when all things by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty, capital M, on high. When we talk about glory, we talk about Christmas, we talk about the birth of God's glory. Right there in that manger. So God gave us the heavens and the firmaments and our flesh, our body. And if that wasn't enough to display his glory, he said, mm, I'll do you one better. Your bodies are imperfect. Not that I'm pointing fingers, but I am. <laughs> and if you don't think so, there's a mirror at home when you get there. <laughs> We're not perfect. We can't put enough... Makeup and hairspray and fancy clothes to cover our imperfections, can we? Because even if we looked great on the outside, which most of you do, by the way, including myself, even if, even if we looked great on the outside and we smelled like steak, <laughs> we're still imperfect on the inside. We still have a heart that we can't trust. We still have a sin nature. We are still going to die someday from old age or disease. It's the facts of life. And the reason that is is because, remember, the people we talked about, Adam and Eve, all the way in the beginning, 
that were tempted by Satan, they went for it. And God said that the day ye eat thereof, you shall surely die. And we will. That's a fact of life. Our time is going to be up someday, just like the toilet paper roll. <laughs> but it doesn't matter if you're 89. Your time could be up if you're 12. Your time could be up if you're 2. We don't know when our time's going to be up. Am I right? Sometimes we take that for granted, and you know, a young guy like me says, I got a good 60 years ahead of me. Planning on it, but I don't know. I, I have no idea. I know people that have died for aneurysms in mid-sentence. I know people that have walked down and had heart attacks in church. Just like that. We have no earthly idea. We, we were talking just briefly in Sunday school about this morning about people that wait till the end to get right with God. That's not a very good business plan. You don't know when the end is. Nobody knows when the end is. Hey, what is the end? It's God's glory. It's His wisdom and His control so God even though we know what the stars are now we know how the body make up we know all this stuff I think we would all agree that we're imperfect but God said I'll show you my glory through my son through Jesus Christ and he sent him in the form of a babe he manifest himself in the flesh the Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus Christ. That's Christmas. Do you see Peter's Christmas message right in his letter? The God of all grace, the God of glory, Jesus Christ, came to this earth, but why? We've talked about this in here before, and it's kind of, I get some funny looks when we talk about this. So if, if you've not heard this, don't give me a funny look. <laughs> and if you know where I'm going, don't roll your eyes like you normally do. But have you ever thought about the God of the universe sitting on his throne of glory, by the way, in his majesty on high, showing up on this earth in a manger? Now, that one's nice, really nice manger. That's probably one of the cleanest mangers around. I don't see any hog manure on it. I don't see any cattle manure on it. That straw looks really nice. It might be Stingley Farm straw, the really top quality straw. I don't see any bugs or flies or any of that stuff. That's, that's where he came. And then if that wasn't enough for you, my country bumpkin boys, I took them to Columbus one time, and we get out of the car, and Wyatt says, what's that stink? I stepped down so. <laughs> so they were in a barn in town. They didn't have sewers back then. Now they were Jews, so they dealt with it the way we do, but just imagine all that smells. All that food smells they might have been cooking in the evening. You know, if it's not mama's cooking, it smells funny, right? <laughs> so just all those smells that were going on around them, the city smells. God had never experienced that before. He had separated himself from that. What if there was an old possum out behind the barn that had been there for a while? Those are the things that Jesus Christ experienced that he never experienced on his throne of glory. Just that. Things we don't even think about. But he knew what it was like to be hungry. He knew what it was like to be sad. He knew what it was like to be angry. 
He knew all these things that we kind of take for granted, but he never knew before. Hey, the Bible says that he was tempted in all points like we were. He was tempted to sin, but he sinned not. Why? Because that's God's glory. If Jesus Christ would have sinned in thought or deed, he wouldn't have been the glory of God. But because he was perfect, because he was born of a virgin, that makes him different than you and I because he doesn't have Adam's sinful blood like you and I do. He's God's son. And not just one of God's sons. He's God's only begotten son. The best that God had to offer. Why did God offer that? Why did God send his son to a manger in a stinky, nasty barn? other than to show us his glory to die on a cross for you and I so that we could experience God's eternal glory. See, that's the part of Christianity that a lot of people don't understand. They think you Christians are weird. You got this Christmas thing, and then there's the Easter thing, and I'm not really sure what happens in between. But what happens in between was all Jesus Christ teaching for about 33 years that told us this. There's only one way to heaven. And that's through me. That was Jesus Christ's message. See, nowadays we think if we're a good person or if we're not as bad as the guy on TV or if we do just little whoopsies, not really sins, I mean, do just that. We think that if we do that, that we can escape hell like Keith was talking about this morning. <clears throat> that's the biggest fool lie of the devil that there is going. Other than thou shalt surely not die but surely you're not as bad as everybody else. That's the number one lie in our day. Hey, none of us are glorious, am I right? Remember, glory is bright, shining, splendor, magnificent, wisdom, control. No, we are shame, guilty, depressed. That's us. But guess what? We can be full of His glory. We can be full of His magnificence. We can be full of His righteousness if we will just receive that gift. Do you know that's why we give gifts at Christmas? Because Jesus Christ was a gift. For by grace are you saved through faith. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's what Christmas is all about. It is the gift of God to mankind. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. There's that eternal glory, isn't it? It's all throughout Scripture that God loved us so much that he was not willing to leave us in our unglorious state. Because your unglorious state is a putrid state. Oh, that's pretty harsh, preacher. No, it is. We need help. We need help. The Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory... There it is again, of God. That our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. That's us. Would, any, would anybody disagree? I know I need help. Isn't that like the first step, I think? That 12-step program? Do you need help? Hey, we need help. Without Jesus Christ, there is no hope for us. But God loved us so much that He sent His Son to be our propitiation, to be our substitute. Do you know what a substitute, you know what a sacrifice, a substitutionary sacrifice, do you know what that is? 
A sacrifice is the innocent dying for the guilty. And that's exactly why Jesus Christ came to this earth in that manger so that he could die on this cross because he wanted to take my place. That's why he came to this earth, to pay for my sins and to pay for your sins. How do we receive this free gift? You want to know? How, How do we get this gift? How do we do it? Do we have to come to this church every week for forever? No. <laughs> It'd be nice. I said the kids would be back next week. No. That, that's, that's not how you receive Jesus Christ. Well, do I be a better person than I already am? No. That won't do it. Pass that basket again. I want to put some more money in it. No. That won't do it. We don't want your goodness. We don't want your money. We want truth. This is what the truth is. The Bible says that whosoever, what's that? Whosoever, who's that? That's us. That's a me. I'm a whosoever. You're a whosoever. That whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's it? I thought we had to go through some kind of classes, and I thought we had to go down and get baptized. I thought we had to do all this stuff, dress right, spit white, and all that stuff. No, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What? For with the heart and with the mouth. With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth, that's how it is. That's how to be saved. Do you know that saved word is not just Baptist word? This is a Baptist church. That saved word, you, you don't go to a Baptist church, do you? Do they talk about saved down there? What? I thought we coined and copyrighted that word saved. No. It's a Bible word. It's a Bible word. Hey, God says that you must be saved. There's no other name given among men under heaven whereby you might be a good idea to be saved. There's no other name given among men under heaven whereby you should be saved. No, that's not how it goes. Somebody help me with that verse. There's no other name given among men under heaven whereby you must be saved. That's, that's how that verse goes that you must be saved. It's not that it's a good idea. It's not that it's a suggestion. It's not that it will help you be wealthy and healthy and good-looking like me. No, it's, it's a requirement to get to heaven. You, you must be saved. There's no other way around it. And the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall, gonna, be saved. Isn't that God's glory? That's not man's plan. That's God's glory. Man looks at that and says, oh, it can't, be that. it can't be that simple. It's not, my friend. It is complex. It is so complex, but yet it's so simple. It's so, should I say, perfect. It's so much better of a plan than man can come up with, am I right? That's why man says, oh, I need to go get baptized, or I need to, I need to do all these things. I need to be a better person. I need to turn over a new leaf. No, the Bible says that it's only by the grace of God. That we can be saved through faith. And oh, for people that say, well, the faith is all mine. No, for by grace are you saved. Through faith, it is a gift of God. What's the it? I guess all of it. I guess the grace. I guess the saved. I guess the faith. It's all a gift from God. So even the faith that we want to kind of lift up and say, well, I have more faith than that guy. I'm definitely more saved than he is. No, the Bible says that we've been given a measure of faith. It just depends on where we want to put that faith. If we want to put that faith in Jesus Christ, or if we want to put that faith in ourselves, 
that's a big difference on where you put your faith. Let's put our faith in the right spot. Let's pray. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us this morning. Lord, I thank you for the young ones that, that sang. Lord, I thank you for your book, this word that you've given us this morning, Lord, and the truths that are in it. And Lord, we, we didn't even get to fully cover, Lord, how glorious and how creative and how merciful and how mighty and how bright and shining and we didn't even begin to scratch the surface of your glory except when we talked about Jesus Christ and Lord he came down in all this glory in this sin cursed world and was a light in a dark place and Lord it's only through him that we can have eternal glory with you forever and and Lord I'm reminded that Peter spoke that we skipped over about the glory that's to come And Lord, I pray that for the Christian in here, for the one that's saved, the one that's born again, Lord, we we have no earthly idea of that glory that's to come. And Lord, I pray for those that might be lost in here this morning that may not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Lord, that glory is right at the cross. And Lord, I I think we'll have a, a time of invitation this morning. And Lord, while we do, I pray that you would convict hearts of sin this morning. Lord, that you would... Help us shed off self-righteousness, Lord, that you would show us our need for a Savior and that, Lord, the gospel has been given this morning. It's, It's only by the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's the only way we can be saved. And, Lord, if there's someone in here this morning that's not sure that they're saved, I pray that they get that settled in their heart today. Lord, they don't have to come up forward at this invitation. Lord, right there in their seats where they're sitting at this morning, they can just ask the God of the universe, the God of all glory, to forgive them or to save them. That's all they need to do. That's all I did or to just ask you to save me. And I pray that they do that right now. And Lord, as we stand here in a moment and we sing, I pray that you would use this invitation for your glory and that your will would be done and that you would be control of the situation, Lord, and show us your glory through your son. And I pray that you do that in Jesus' precious name. Amen.